Amen. Well, welcome to the uh, fifth Sunday of the month service, which is uh, of four times a year. We have five Sundays, and this is one of them. So welcome to our church. It's uh, a great turnout here. I'm really happy to see everyone. i got to tell you, I'm a little nervous because, you know, um, most of the people here are people that I grew up calling Mr. and Mrs., you know, I would go to your friend's house, I'd go to my friend's house, and you're the parents. And so now here I am standing in front of you, going to tell you something you don't know. Um, it's a little nervous, but uh, we'll do our best. We're going to praise and worship tonight. Jack and Jill are going to help us. We have uh, our own Jill praise team, Jack and Jill. And uh, we're going to praise and worship. And this is what I want to emphasize tonight. Um, you know, we serve a great God, don't we? And I know that we have a tendency sometimes of letting our feelings and our emotions control our life. And I want to encourage you tonight that we would just recognize one thing as we worship the Lord, that he's worthy of our worship. Amen? He is at the right hand of the Father, seated at the right hand of the Father, because his work is done. His work is done. But our work is still to be done. And he's interceding for us. He is, he's working for us. He's, he's on guard for us as we sit here tonight. And so if you have a hard time with praise and worship, if you can understand that, if you can grasp that concept, that no matter what you feel like, no matter what's going on in your life right now, no matter what circumstance that you're facing, no matter what struggle you have going on right now, that Jesus is worthy to be praised. And when I can grasp that, when I can understand that, that helps me break through my barriers of worship. That helps me break through my bad days, because I have them, and you have them. But when I can understand and grasp who he is and what he's worthy of, wow, it just helps me. So tonight we're going to praise and worship him, and I just invite you to be free and however you want to worship him. You want to raise your hands, you raise your hands. If you want to do a little jig, you do a little jig. You do whatever you want to do. If you want to sit down because we're standing up too long, then you can sit down. It's not the form, it's the heart. Jesus is looking at the heart of our worship tonight, right? Amen? So let's just enter in. Let's just, if you would, stand with me. We'll start off standing for those that can. And at any time, if you want to sit, you're welcome to sit. Well, let's just pray. Let's just invite him in, this, in, in our presence uh, this evening. And then let's just entertain and worship Jesus. Father, we come before you, Jesus. We recognize who you are. And we recognize who we are. We are your creation. Because we've accepted Jesus into our life, we are your child. We are your children. We are a joint heir with you, Jesus. And now we take our rightful position worshiping the Father alongside of you. And we're going to lift our hands, we're going to lift our voices, and we're going to worship you, and we're going to enter in. And I pray that this is a sweet fragrance, a sweet sound in your ears, as we love you and as we worship you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just, let's worship him tonight in Jesus' name.
would you throw up the uh, verse, the first verse of that song? Yeah, right there. You know, this is really true. And this is going to be true forever. Do you understand that? Do you understand that God is so awesome? God is so big. <laughs> he is so unbelievable that we will seek him and find him more and more and more forever and ever and ever. And we will never comprehend his goodness. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that, doesn't this just kind of blow your socks off? Doesn't that just kind of make you sit back and think, wow, and I have the opportunity to know this God? Not only that, but he knows me. He knows my name. Wow. He, should, he knows your name. That's the God that we serve, and we're going to serve him forever and ever and ever. And that is an awesome thing. And that's what having a relationship with Jesus is all about. It's not about just coming to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and maybe Wednesday or whenever you come to your midweek service. It is about having a relationship with Jesus. And we're always going to have that. We're always going to dig into him and we're going to sit at his feet forever. That's not boring. Anybody think that's boring? Anybody have a problem with that? That's awesome. It's awesome. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for making yourself known to us again and again and again, over and over and over. You keep showing up. You keep showing up in our life. You keep coming and keep saying, I love you and I want you to love me back. And you've proven your love to us so graciously through your Son. And now, Father, as we do our best to give our love back and to show you our love back, Lord, I pray that you are hearing our prayer. And I pray that you are watching our life. And I pray that we are a, a blessing to you, Jesus. I pray that with all my heart. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. No matter how small my heart may be, I'm giving you all there is to me. No matter how
Jackie, and Jill. Tonight, I want to speak to you um, about an experience that I had a couple weeks ago and how I hope and I believe and I'm trusting has changed my life forever. Um, I, I wasn't a bad person, I don't think. But I think that, that I, I, let, me, let me rewind a little bit so you can, I can catch you up a little bit. My daughter, one of our daughters, Aubrey, is uh, at Youth with a Mission. Anybody know what Youth with a Mission is? YWAM? Okay. Uh, she's in Kona, Hawaii. She was in Kona, Hawaii. And uh, she was there um, for her three months. Now she's in Nepal doing her outreach. About a month ago, we got a phone call. Uh, saying that she was kind of having one of Aubrey panic attacks, realizing that it's just a few weeks away and she was going to have to go to Nepal, meaning that that's pretty different than Hawaii. And she kind of panicked. She said, I don't know that I can wait until, uh, until December to see somebody in our family, so Mom and Dad, why don't you fly out and see me? That's just across the street. It's just Hawaii. Just come on out and see us. We tried to talk her out of it, and she was pretty insistent. And then... We talked about it. Chris had just started teaching. She's permanent subbing right now at the elementary school, so uh, she couldn't get away. And, but we talked about it and thought I should go. So I went out there for Aubrey. And I've got to tell you, when I got out there, it was all about Jesus and me. I've got to tell you, I, I saw a different purpose of life when I went out there amongst at the University of the Nations, which is their main, their main DTS. They have all over the world, they have different training stations. It's a huge organization. I found out to be a very solid organization. I had my thoughts about it. I had, it was kind of maybe for the baby kids in the bubble, you know, maybe not really having it all together, but it's not what it is at all. Now, if you have a child that's well, that way, it'd be a great place to send them, a great place, to, a great atmosphere to get them in. And I also found out that they have a thing called Crossroads, which is for people my age and older. And they had families there. They had, there were probably 600 people on this, on this campus. And, uh, and I just got fed. I, I sat down spiritually and physically, but um, the first night I was there, Aubrey had some functions, and so she couldn't, uh, I couldn't spend that night with her. I did sit through most of her training sessions, and, and it was awesome, just great teaching great focus on holiness and setting yourself apart and stop compromising with the world, young people. Quit trying to play the game of Christianity. Quit trying to say, call yourself a Christian and then say, how close can I live to the world and still be a Christian? I mean, they called them out. And these kids accepted it. And these kids praised and they worshiped God because of it. And they were eating it up and they were absorbing it. And it was their life. And it was awesome because I saw young people with a relationship with Jesus. And it changed me. I, I had a I was telling you, I sat down, I had dinner, and it was all open-air eating there because everything's outside because the weather's so nice over there, and there was a cafeteria-style thing. And I sat down by myself at a table um, because Arby was busy, and a couple, some older folks sat down along with me, and, and I had no idea what they were doing or who they were. Um, but we started talking, just pleasantries and so forth, and I told them why I was there, my daughter's Aubrey and all this stuff. And, and um, they said, yeah, well, they're on staff there, and, um, which I thought that meant that they were janitors or something of that nature. I didn't have any idea what they were doing, but these, these people were completing their own DTS at the crossroads level. They were getting ready to go out on their own mission, and they were there getting filled up with Jesus. And I told them who I was. I told them I was a pastor. I told them I was a young pastor. I've been pastoring four or five years or less, and I, you know, some of my struggles and some of my issues. And, 
And I tell you what, these people read my mail. They got into my knickers. And they just prayed with me. And we sat there in that open-air cafeteria for three hours. And they just prayed. And they just dumped into me. And they got me so full of who Jesus is. They got me so full of what I need to be. It was an awesome experience. And my church is paying the price of it right now because that's all I talk about. And I know I'm driving them crazy. But I hope it never stops. Because I'll tell you why. Because I'm telling you, folks, and, I, and, and you guys are the, you're the superstars of Charlevoix because you're here tonight. Of all the churches here, you are the folks that probably don't need to hear this message because you're here. It's the ones that aren't here that need to hear the message. But let me tell you what the message is. The message is complacency. The message is we are a complacent society. We are complacent Christians. And it's detestable to the Lord. He can't stand it. And I know that's a hard word, but it's the truth. It's the truth. When we look at complacent Christianity, let's look at what the words mean. Complacency means smugness. It means self-reliance. It means self-righteousness. It means contentment. Let's look at what it means to be a Christian, Christ-like a follower of Jesus, a lover of people, obedient to his Father, joyful, peaceful, righteous. Now, how do I take complacent and Christian and put them together? How can I be a complacent Christian when the definitions don't match up? So what that means now is that if, I'm a, if, I'm, if I have this complacency in my life, I have to look at my life and say, am I a Christian? I know this is hitting hard, but I, gotta ask, I have been asking myself this. If I'm going to go along the life of complacency with what the United States Christians are like, just because we live in a Christian nation doesn't make us a Christian any more than you sitting in a garage makes you a car. You can sit in your car, your garage all night long and come morning, you're not going to be a car. You can sit in a church all your life and that doesn't make you a Christian. What makes us a Christian is Jesus. What makes us a Christian is passion. It's relationship. It's getting to know who this Jesus is and I want to be like him. Complacency in the United States is the church's worst nightmare and the devil's dream. Complacency is the worst nightmare of a Christian and the devil's dream. The devil loves complacency. The devil loves a person that likes to come in and play the game. He loves that because he can take and he can twist it all around. He can take it and he can say, I will do what I want to do with that person because that person has no power. He has no authority. He doesn't have a relationship with God because Christians and complacency don't go together. A person that will come and play the game, the devil loves that. It's, an, it's, it's a great opportunity for him to come in and play the game of... I can't think of a better word than complacency. He comes in. I'm a Christian. I go live my life. I do what I want to do. I live the way I want to live. 
I've compromised all over the place. When something has to happen, when I, need to, when I need to have the power of God in my life to make a difference in my life or somebody else's, I don't have the power because I'm complacent, because I haven't been in the presence of Jesus, because I haven't filled myself up with the Lord. Listen, listen if I was to give you a cup of cold water, and if my thermos was empty, how could I give you water? How can I minister to people if my thermos is empty? This is why we need to get full of Jesus. This is why we need to get full of the Holy Spirit. This is why we need to press in and, and take this Christian thing a little bit more than just going to church. So I need to fill up with Jesus. When I fill up with Jesus, I can minister to somebody that needs help. I can be that person. I can be that helpmate. I can be that person in the street. I can serve those less fortunate than I am. I had an opportunity to sit down with these nine kids that were going to Nepal. Um, I love that. And, uh, and as I sat down with these kids, we had such a great time of, of prayer. And, um, and I asked them to pray for me. I prayed for them, you know, because that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm a dad, and I'm a pastor, and so I was supposed to pray for them, and I did. And we, we had a nice time of prayer. But, but I said, listen, guys, I know where you're going. You're going to Nepal. You're going to the Himalayas. You're going to some places that haven't been reached before. You're going into some places that are hard places to go, and I understand that. It's dangerous, and, and we need to pray for you. And I will. We will. We'll commit to you, pray for you every day, and we are. But would you pray for me because I'm going back to America. I'm going back to a society that is so churched out that they don't want to even hear anymore about Jesus. We have our own version of Christianity. We have our own version of religion that says, it's what I do, it's, I've always done it this way, and nobody's going to tell me to do it any differently. Why? Because we have a religious spirit. It's all over this country. It's all over our society today. It's all over, and it's time that if we're going to be a difference maker, it's time that our churches stand up for Jesus. It's time that we, that we stand up for what it really means to be a Christian and, and put away the, religion, the religious forms and pick up, pick up who it is, pick up the passion of Christ and understand his significance and who he is. See, God is looking for a people that will worship him and then let ministry flow out of that. We, we think that how we're going to break complacency now is to come back and let's work. Oh, let's work. Let's get programs. Let's, let's do things. Well, let's not get the horse before the cart. Right? Let's go back to what it's really all about, worship. Let's go back to what it's really about, prioritizing who Jesus is in our life. As we worship Jesus, I mean really worship Jesus. Don't worry about your works because they're just going to flow. When you are so full of who Jesus is, your works are just going to flow. It's just going to come out. It's just going to bubble up. Because you can't keep Jesus in you. There's nothing in us that can contain the power of Jesus. If I really love him, if I'm really passionate about him, if I'm really seeking and serving him, the works are going to come. They're going to come because I love them. What do you do to people that you love? You please them. 
right? You work. You please the person in your life that you love the most. Well, you should. Unfortunately, maybe sometimes we hurt the person that we love the most. But in all reality, we're supposed to love them. We're supposed to please them. Works are important. Works are important because that's what the reward's all about in that rope. That's what, that's what it's all about. The works are important. But don't get the works before the worship. Don't get so wrapped up in what you're supposed to do that you forget who the Creator is. Get Jesus in your focus. Get Him in your, get him in your, in your, in your view, as it says in Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so, so easily entangles and run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Keep on our eyes focused on Jesus. Keeping our eyes focused on Him. And when I keep my eyes focused on Jesus, oh man, get out of my way, devil. Get out of my way because a righteous man's coming. And a man that's got power is coming because my eyes are focused on the Creator, not the creation. And when I get so busy with my life, and we all do, and I'm not opposed to busy because we're all busy people. But if busy becomes my priority, then what it is, it's idol worship. It's idolatry because I'm putting the creation in front of the creator. And what we're called to be is a worshiper. We're called to worship Jesus. Oh, that is the most important thing we can get out of this tonight. If, I, if nothing else, worship Jesus. Because you know what's going on in heaven today? Do you know what's going on? Let me read a little bit what's going on in heaven today. Revelation chapter 4. Just close your eyes. This is awesome. Just close your eyes with me and try to imagine what's happening here. Revelation chapter 4, starting at verse 6. Also, before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. And in the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around and even under his wings. Day and night, here it is, listen, day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. That's what's going on in the throne room of heaven right now. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Amen. That's what's going on right now in the throne room of heaven, and that should bring a sense of urgency and might life. That should bring a little passion in my life. That should bring a little excitement to me. Amen? Because that's what I have to look forward to. I can't wait to see those creatures. I can't even begin to comprehend what they look like right now. I read it, but I don't understand it. But I'm going to see them someday. And I'm going to be able to worship with them. And I'm going to be with the 24 elders that fall down before God and worship Him, and grasp Him, and try to understand His significance and His authority forever and ever and ever. I said before that Satan doesn't want us to worship. Why doesn't Satan want us to worship? See, if you go back and we understand the significance and, and the origin of Satan, we'll understand that his name, he was once named Lucifer, 
And Lucifer was a God-given name because he was God's anointed. He was the bright and morning star. He was the worship leader, if you will, of heaven. He led all of heaven in worship to God, our Father. All right? Now, Lucifer had a little problem. He started to think he was a little bit more than what he thought he was or than what he really was. He had a little issue called pride that came up. And by the way, isn't that something we all deal with? You know, I believe that pride is probably the biggest problem in all men's life because pride keeps me from being humble. Pride keeps me from being a teachable person. Pride says I know something and nobody's going to tell me any different. All right? Pride was the root of the fall of Lucifer. So now we see Lucifer, who uh, at one time was leading worship. He understood the significance and the magnificence of God. He worshipped him. But now we see pride come in, and all of a sudden Lucifer says, you know what, I don't want you to worship him anymore. I want you to worship me. I want you to worship me. Forget God. Worship me. And how does he do that? He does it through my things. He does it very subtly. He comes in. He doesn't come in. uh, Complacency doesn't come in with a signboard. And says, okay, I'm complacency now. Get over. I'm taking over. No, because, you know, we wouldn't allow that to happen. It's just like if there was a a big dog running towards you that was going to bite you, you wouldn't let the dog bite you. So complacency doesn't come like a big barking dog. It comes very subtly. It comes through situations. It comes through blessings. It comes through my own ability to take care of my own needs. It comes through all kinds of different areas that are so good. They're not, bla- they're not bad. See, having a nice car, having a nice home, having nice clothes to wear and food to eat, which we all enjoy here because you all look very nice. And I've seen your cars. You all have very nice cars and we have nice homes. That's not bad. But you know what? If that becomes my source, I begin to worship that subtly. I begin to worship. I put that over God. I put that over Jesus. And that is the beginning of complacency. That's the beginning of my own self-righteousness and my own smugness, my own contentment. What we really need, we need to have that feeling that Aubrey had, my daughter, when she called a few weeks ago and says, Mom and Dad, I can't wait to see you. Would you come visit me? See, that's the ache. Jackie, what did you say about worship? Worship is a heart act that begins with a heart ache. See, I need to have that ache. I need to have that, that homesick feeling. I need to have that. I need to desire that. I need to know that I am not complete unless I have Jesus at the forefront of my life. Unless I have Jesus at the center point of my life, I'm not complete. I never will be complete. I never will grasp it. I never will have the satisfaction in this world that this world brings. I will never have completeness in that. It will always be lacking because there is that God-shaped vacuum that's, that's designed in my heart and designed in your heart that the only way that's filled is through Jesus Christ. And until we get that ache in our hearts, until we promote that ache, until we put down our pride and receive that ache with passion, we'll be complacent. He, the Bible doesn't say anything without a reason. 
Every word that's said in the Word of God is said for a particular reason. And it says some things maybe that we don't like. It says some things that are, that are contrary to public opinion. It says some things that are politically incorrect. It says something like this. It says that narrow is the gate that leads to life. But wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many find it. So enter through the narrow gate, small gate and narrow road that leads to life, for only a few will find that. Do you understand what that means? Just because everybody's doing it doesn't make it right. <laughs> Just because everyone says it's okay to do it, it doesn't make it right. You see, folks, we're going to be graded on God's scale, not a class curve. You know, we always liked, when we were in high school and college, we liked it when we knew we were being graded on a curve because I just had to be a little bit better than the next guy. I had to be average. If I could be that average grade, if, I could, if, the, if the teacher was grading on a curve, I had a better chance of passing the class. But that's not how God's going to grade us. God doesn't grade on a curve. He grades according to his righteousness. He grades us according to his holiness. And that's what I got out of these kids. When I watched these kids in these DTS, when I watched them being talked to, I was kind of watching their reaction. There were 75 kids or so in this, this open-air teaching area. And when, he start, when this teacher started talking to them about holiness, I thought, I'm going to pay attention here. I'm going to see how these kids receive it. He talked about sex. He talked about alcohol talked about drugs. He talked about um, movies. He talked about filling our hearts and minds with things that aren't godly. And what he said was, why do you do it? Why do you even entertain it? Why do you even go down the path that would lead you away from Jesus? Why don't you identify with a peculiar people, a royal priesthood, a set-apart nation. That's who we are, folks. If we're not going to be complacent, if we are going to enter in and, and design our hearts and our lives and our personal lives, we need to then not be willing. We need to put away the compromise of this world. Because just because a lot of people are doing it, a lot of people are going to hell. I mean, let's just call it for what it is. Can we do that? Can we just say what the Bible says is true? Wide is the road to destruction and many are on it but narrow and small is the gate and narrow is the road to, to life and few find it that's what the Bible says I know it's not popular but here's, our, here's a challenge for us let's go out to the highways and the byways let's go out to that broad road out there and let's find those that are on it and let's bring them to the narrow road you know I don't have any problem being narrow minded I don't have any problem being narrow minded when it comes to godly things because I don't have any reason to compromise. I have no reason to go out and try to accept the worldly views because I'm okay with being narrow-minded. Because the Bible's narrow-minded. It's lovingly narrow-minded. Okay? Understand the love passion of it? It has to be love. It has to be motivated by love and driven by love. But it's, that, it's the passion of the love of Christ that allows us to have a focused, keeping our eyes focused on Jesus, is a narrow-mindedness. On Jesus. And when we can keep that, when we can do that, 
complacency runs. Complacency leaves. Amen. There's a lot of challenges here. There's a lot to be spoken about here, and I know my time is about up. But here's, let, me, let me end with this. You know, God will never ask us to do something we can't do. Understand that. He will never put a hurdle, He will never put a challenge out there that we can't do. This morning, if God made the requirement here for us to have to pass a physical test before we could worship Him, if He said, okay, everybody get up. No, I know you can sit down. But if he said everybody got up and everybody do 25 jumping jacks, everybody did 50 push-ups, everybody did sit-ups, how many, how many would it disqualify here? <laughs> Probably most of us, wouldn't it? But see, he doesn't put that requirement on us. You want a relationship with Jesus? You can have a relationship with Jesus. You can have it. You just say, here I am, Father. Here I am, Jesus. See, and this is what's so, so important as we get into our older years. This is a challenge that I have for the older folks here. Don't quit. Don't stop praying. Don't stop. We need your prayers. My generation... My kids' generation, your grandkids' generation, they need your prayers now more than ever. Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't say it's over. It's not over. There's battles to be won out there. We are still in the middle of the battle. Let's fight this complacency thing. Let's come together in the churches of Charlevoix and let's get some urgency behind us and let's desire who Jesus is and let's fight the battle of complacency. And let's pray like we've never prayed before. Amen. Father, we just come before you in Jesus' name. Oh, God, we are so indebted to you because of all that you've done for us. And Lord, I pray right now for the spirit of complacency. I pray, Father, for this curse of complacency. Lord, and as we lift our voices in our quiet times and as we are in having our own personal prayer times, I just would pray that we would all corporately put the devil on notice that it's going to stop. It's time to stop the games. It's time to stop thinking maybe of us more than who we are. It's time to put down our flesh and pick up the spirit and I pray Lord Jesus that you would help us in this Father that, that you would bring first of all no condemnation there is no condemnation for those that love Christ so I'm not preaching condemnation I'm preaching conviction Lord I pray conviction I pray Lord that we would have a, an ache in our heart for worship any condemnation is from the devil and it has to flee because there is no condemnation. But Lord, I pray you bring your conviction in us. You bring your purpose in us. You bring your passion in us. Lord, and help us to change Charlevoix. Help us to change our churches and our community and help us to change the environment around us. And Lord, and I pray that I pray for our world. I pray for our, our whole nation. I pray, Father, there be pastors and teachers and 
all over this country that would catch the vision of complacency and see the urgency that's got to stop and it's time to move on. It's time for new wine and a new wine skin in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with me? Let's sing this song as we go tonight. Let's just, uh, let's just go with rejoicing. Let's just go with a sense of passion, a sense of worship, and let's just kick complacency in the butt. All right? Let's just kick it out. Let's just kick it out in our lives, and let's take the personal integrity, the personal responsibility for our own personal worship, and let's just uh, sing the song, and then we'll go have some fellowship in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, you are overwhelming to us. Lord, we just worship you tonight. We thank you for your mercies and your grace. We thank you for your peace. But we thank you, Lord, for your joy and for your happiness and for your blessings. And we thank you for that and we rejoice in that. And Lord, I just pray a blessing on all of us tonight as we go to our homes and go to our jobs and go to school tomorrow and everything we put our hand to. I pray blessing upon that, Lord. And I pray that you would, you would give us a conviction, Lord, in our hearts and our minds and our spirit to use our blessings for your glory. We worship you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You're blessed. Be blessed. Have a